Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Thor Conklin, who is an amazing entrepreneur, profitability consultant, and host of his daily podcast, Peak Performers Podcast, 2017 marks his 17th year as an entrepreneur, and his top 15 clients have a combined revenue of $12.7 billion and operated in over 100 countries worldwide. His background in risk management and multi-million dollar business uh, endeavors is something I think we all want to hear for whatever we're uh, doing in life, and whether you are deciding to start your own business and be an entrepreneur yourself um, and find the value there, or whether it's just that we need to look at how stumbling blocks can come in from, you know, come in front of some of our dreams and how to get rid of them. So welcome to the show, Thor. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. So I want to let's you know you seem like you were just right born with this uh, track because you said at a very young age at the age of thirteen you were a caddy and you just like you know got right into it and I was thinking when I read that I was like oh well my gosh I mean I'd almost suggest to anybody wanting to get into business to be a caddy because all you're listening to all day is business and deals and how these people operate with each other it's just been known as that kind of environment for such a long time I'm I'm sure that was just like getting a, an extra degree in business. <laughs> it absolutely was. You know, it's interesting because, you know, who we spend time with really influences what we do and, and how we grow as individuals. And it was really interesting because, you know, I, I didn't think of it at the time. I just, I needed a job, right? I wanted to make some extra money. So it's like, okay, I like golf. Let's, let's go caddy, right? And basically you're an independent contractor. You show up, you might not get picked and you've got to hone your skills and, and start to network and, and build a group around you where you become, you know, the known entity where people want you to caddy for them. And the, you know, the lessons were absolutely immense at that age. I remember uh, kind of a side note of this, the, the biggest cheater in the entire club, no, no lie, you can't make this stuff up, was a U.S. senator. <laughs> Oh, well, I think everyone's at this point definitely believes that. <laughs> yeah, you know, of course, you know, at 13, I didn't know really the impact of that. As I gotten older, I was like, okay, it's kind of fitting. And you know what the other thing that I noticed too is that the people were, that were doing extremely well, they really put their head down and they did not advertise. You know, they showed up at the club. They may have driven a nice car, but not a real flashy car or they just weren't really – they weren't running around saying, look at me, look at me, look what I've done, and here's my success. The really successful ones weren't doing that. Well, and isn't that the definition of true class? Just one energetic. Yeah. Right? Doesn't that feel just classy to be that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had the opportunity to uh, caddy for the late Amarana uh, Hess. He owned Hess Oil. And you would never know it 
Never absolutely know. He just, you know, he drew, drove a Buick and just kind of a low key individual. But there were a lot of doctors and lawyers that thought they were, you know, the next best thing. And, and they would run around with the, the most expensive cars and, and really kind of just show it off. So and that really shaped in, in my life. Uh, I've had a lot of success in business and I want to help other people be successful in their businesses, but I don't need to run around and go here, look at my cars, look at my houses. That's just not who I am. And, and so that's had a, definitely had an impact uh, on my life. And not to stick on the golf analogy for <laughs> forever, but you know, in that, um, gosh, it's, it's, I've heard from, I, I don't play golf, but my brother does. And I have friends that are really good at it. And I hear stories and it's always sort of, you know, people get bummed when there's someone in the crew that, you know, every shot they're like, Oh man, I suck. Or right. There's, there's other behaviors involved in how you lose, um, and the level of focus or determination in that success. And I'm, you know, those are, I'm sure just all just seeped right in, you know, because a, no one wants to be around slash play golf with that kind of negative, you know, personality, but also that's affecting their game. Oh, no question. No question. You, you can even go back. And if you look at some of the film of Tiger Woods, you can see when his game was going to turn around in a given round, it just the way he carried his shoulders, his posture, his walk, his determination when he was on and playing his best golf, that man could not see anything uh, at his feet. I mean, he was just chest up, shoulders back, head up. And he was just determined. He was focusing on the next shot immediately upon putting his club back in the bag and walking to it. He was planning what was going to occur. He was visualizing what was going to happen next. He was several steps ahead. He just wasn't walking up to the golf ball and going, okay, now what do I do? He was working the entire four hours and it's a tough game that way. Because most people can't stay focused for five seconds, let alone five hours. Right. And it's, it's such a good, we go on for hours about sports analogies in life. <laughs> but yeah. let's talk, at what point then in your life, was it after becoming so successful, you were like, at what point did you think to yourself, you know, I think I have something to share with people here to help them. I'm assuming you were naturally mentoring people along the way and saw how it worked. But give us, you know, what turned it into, let me share this with the world versus just do business? That's a great question. And I haven't been asked that in, in quite some time. What really the turning point was, I have a group of mentors and fellow entrepreneurs that I've been around for the last 10 years. And through, regardless of what business venture I was involved in, I've been an entrepreneur for the last 18 years. They were always saying, Thor, your true nature, your calling, your special gift is to be in this lane helping other entrepreneurs and C-level executives figure out how to go from where they are to get to the next step. You have that special sauce. You, you've, you've dedicated your life for yourself in this area. Go out and share it. And it was always, you know, that's kind of my hobby, right? That, that's not my, it might be my calling, but it's not something I want to form a business around. And just enough people kept saying it enough and I came to the point where I was exiting out of a business and I said, okay, what's next? And I said, you know what? Now's the time. And it was interesting because from that moment on, it was almost this flood of creative juices just started to flow. The ideas and the content uh, you know, a lot of people run around and, and basically just use everybody else's content and just regurgitate it, regurgitate it. And 
I was like, no, that's not what I'm about. And it was interesting to see how quickly things flowed. You know, I'll wake up in the middle of the night and literally I'll just sit down with a piece of paper. I was like, where'd that come from? So it's something that... That's when you know you're truly inspired and you're compelled to do it. It's not something that's forced. Yeah, there's just no force. And sometimes I I just sit back. It was funny. I got a... um, Someone contacted me and they couldn't do a uh, a speech and they said, could you fill in for me? I said, okay, what, what's it about? They said, stress management. I'm like, okay, I've never done anything about stress management. And literally, I, w- I woke up, I was on the john one morning and 15 minutes later, I had the entire speech done. <laughs> it was like, okay, it's like- That's a peak performer. Yeah, that's yeah. What I, I think that's what that is. <laughs> but it was just like, it just, it just- Yeah, but it's natural for you. It, yeah, but I didn't know it was natural to me, you know? Right. And uh, it wasn't until- I started letting that express itself that it started to really just uh, just come out. Well, and then let's transition that into, you know, what's your, I mean, obviously we can all go, okay, I see what peak performer might mean, but what does it mean to you? What does it mean to be a peak performer in life? Yeah, you know, uh, peak to me, if you take the letters P-E-A-K and you kind of built a, a pyramid out of it and the K was on the bottom, the first part is knowledge right? We've got to obtain the knowledge that is necessary. But I've seen so many people run around from book to book, event to event, seminar to seminar going, I know I'm missing something. All I have to do is find that knowledge and it'll be great, right? Everything will be solved. And what I realized was knowledge is great, but it's not enough, right? We've got to do something with that knowledge. And in order to execute, so often we need true accountability, someone really holding us accountable because we tend to do more for others than we'll do for ourselves. Once we have that knowledge, once we have that accountability and we have the right tools, we start to execute, right? Look look at the, the paleo world. All the stuff that you're helping your clients do with regards to their health and fitness, they you have the knowledge. You've given it to them. Now they have to go and do it for themselves, right? You can't hold them by the hand. You can't force feed them. They're going to have to make some decisions on their own. So it really comes down to execution. Knowledge is not power. The ability to execute on that knowledge is power. And then in my lane, what I'm working with business owners is how do I get them to execute and then create profitability in their companies? How do I get them to execute and take massive action and make massive changes in their health and their fitness? What can I do to get them to do that execution over and over again? And that's what leads to the success. It sounds, okay, yeah, step by step. And there's a lot of nuances here. And you were speaking earlier about when you first you know, came out into the world of, okay, I'm gonna go forward and sort of mentor and, and teach others. In the realm and the plane of people that have not reached the peak, have not been able to get there, and they just, you know, they need someone like you, what are the common fails? There's got to be common fails, whether they're character fails of people that are a thoroughfare for why they're not reaching it, and that might be something they have to change. I'm sure there's a bunch of them you've seen as kind of, oh, there's that guy again. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it, it's, so I'd love to hear what some of those are, because there might be someone out there that is kind of like, ooh, that's me you know, and might need to take a look at that. Yeah. And that was me as well. Uh, you know, the reason so much of this content has been developed is because I was searching for answers for myself. The first company I created, a private equity firm came to me, asked me to create a company. I did. 
That was the the piece of a bio about the uh, companies with $12.8 billion in revenue. And they bought all my time and then said, travel around the world and take care of our companies. Great way to start a business, right? I wish all my businesses started that way, but they don't. Great offer. (laughs) Right, right, exactly. I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. And from that business, I transitioned to another business, another business, sold some business, started some business, and everything was working. And then I get to business number seven and I'm like, I can do anything, right? You know, I'm bulletproof at this point. Let me get into a business that I don't understand. I'm doing manufacturing in Asia and my customers do not speak my primary language, English, right? Brilliant idea, right? Well, that one did not exactly work out as planned. And there was massive pain associated with that. And I said, there's gotta be a step-by-step process that I can make this repeatable, not only for myself, but I can also do this with other entrepreneurs because Contrary to popular belief, you know, so many entrepreneurs and and business owners out there are on the surface, it looks like everything's going great. They've got big organizations, they're making big sales, but so often they have trouble getting those dollars to the bottom line or in their pocket. So I set out on a journey to figure out, and this is really going to be applicable to to your clients as well, is I've got to figure out how to go from where I am to where I want to go and I want a map. So for about a decade, I was searching for this answer. What, what is this map? There's got to be a formula out there for me. And I had pieces of it in notes, literally going back about 10 years, but I was missing pieces, like a little treasure map. And I was traveling through the Atlanta airport one day, and there on the little train that goes from terminal to terminal in Atlanta Hartsfield Airport was my map, the thing that I had been looking for for literally a decade. And if you go to Atlanta airport, you're ever there, you're going to see a map and it's baggage claim and it's T-terminal, A gate, B, C, D, E, and F gates. And if you take that and you turn it upside down and you start with F, it always starts out with what is the thing that I want? You got to figure out what you want, not in your business, but in your overall life. What am I trying to accomplish? And once you get a real clear vision of what that is, and you understand the other various parts of your life, your finances, your relationships, your health and your fitness, and all those things that support that vision, and get a real good idea on that, you then need to come up with an effective plan and an efficient plan to move you from where you are now to where you want to go. And so often I see people just kind of run off with, hey, this is where I want to go. Let me create a plan and then end up at a place they didn't really want to end up. So first step, figure out where, where, uh, figure out where you want to go. Second, an efficient and an effective plan. Next, you've got to make a decision. You've got to draw a line in the sand and decide. Look, you know, when you start changing your diet and you start eating differently, you've got to draw a line in the sand that this is the way I'm going to feed my body and I'm not going to feed it this junk over here and it's going to make a difference. So you've got to make that decision and then you need to commit. You know, if we're talking about making commitments in in, uh, health and fitness, it starts with grab the garbage can and start throwing all the stuff out in the trash and now take the trash out so you're not going back in the trash. Yeah. I don't know if I'm the only one who's ever gone through the trash looking for that cupcake. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, actually, I've been that person. I think everyone listening has been that person. And to say exactly, that you're not, right. you'd be probably lying. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, so the decision is throwing it out into the garbage. The commitment is when you throw it out in the trash or you throw water on it or, you know, squeeze hot sauce on it or something, um, you know, get it out. So the next step is, is the commitment. And I like to say uh, years ago, I was afraid of 
a feeling of falling, that, that sensation of falling. I didn't like flying in planes, although I was flying all over the world, is that, that sensation of kind of falling. So I said, you know, I've got to go skydiving to break myself of this habit. And I made the reservation. I showed up at the airport when I was supposed to. I got on the plane. But up to that point, I was only decided. I'd only made a decision to go through with it. I hadn't gone through with it yet. The moment my instructor and I were pushed out of a plane or he pulled me out of a plane, whatever you want to say, that was the moment I was committed. There was no turning back. And you've got to get to the point where a decision just isn't enough. You've got to act on it and you've got to cut off all other avenues. So that's the commitment phase. And here's the one that gets it. Well, wait, how was the skydiving? Oh, it was awesome. First of all, if you ever considered uh, skydiving and you're fearful of the f- sensation of falling, there's none of that. There's no sensation of falling. You know, it's kind of interesting because we were the second team out of the plane. And when the first uh, group, the first two people left the plane, it lightened the load. So immediately the plane went up in the air and dropped back down. So that sensation of falling was created in the plane. So I was ready to get out of that plane really fast. So I was like, I'm gone. Let's go. Was that the only time you did it or did you kind of get into it after that? It was like, okay, no, that was a good experience. And no, that was it. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Okay. So I want yeah. to ask you something about that. So, you know, yeah. you made it sound very natural to just be like, oh, I was afraid of falling. So boom, I knew right then and there I had to go skydiving, which for a lot of, I mean, I would say, of course, yeah, that's, that's, that's a good way to really tackle that fear. Um, and so, you know, but a lot of people wouldn't, don't have that philosophy. And I think it's a good thing. It's not to say that everybody who's got a fear of falling should go skydiving, but just that if you're fearful of something, look at how you can overcome it and tackle it and get behind it. And even if that's like, I don't feel comfortable being going out. Like I used to feel weird about eating alone at restaurants, things like that. And so until I forced myself, I was like, I'm going out by myself. Like, I'm just going to do it and, and do it. And it was not weird at all or Friday. I had a great time and I do it all the time now. Um, so I love that concept, right? And I mean, that's a little bit extreme, but can you elaborate on that? I find so often that people want to avoid the uncomfortable, right? They want to avoid the stress. They want to avoid the, the friction that when they're just not feeling great or they're fearful. And so often we tend to walk around the fear or avoid the fear or lay off or sedate or do a myriad of different uh, systems or, or things to kind of deal with the fear. One of the most effective ways to deal with it is what I call lean into it. That is simply just move towards it and keep moving towards it. And it's so funny because fear is almost like one of those, you know, one of those dark shadows in the corner, you know, it's like, it's dark and you see this shadow, you don't know what it is and it's fearful and you get up on it. And pretty soon all you see, you know, what it was, was a little moth flying around, you know, a lamp that has maybe thrown off a shadow that looked like it was a huge monster. It was just a little moth. So when you're moving towards it and you're leaning into it, life becomes so much easier. If you're standing straight up or leaning back, you're responding to things. When you find something that is challenging you, bothering you, you know, is fearful, move towards it. The world will open up and move out of your way if you move with force and intention. So it's just a much better strategy. And it took me a long, long time to figure that out. I was literally with a, with a client, um, literally about 20 minutes ago. And he has to have a very difficult 
conversation with one of his clients. And I said, you have two ways of going about this. You can go in there and you can tell him exactly what your plan is, why you're doing it. And he may or may not be happy with what's going on, but he's certainly going to have a lot more respect for you when you show up showing him who's in charge and who has this thing handled. That's right. I am so glad we're talking about this because that is such a common theme. And it's in my life of naturally having people gravitate towards me who need to speak up in life. And, um, uh, you talked earlier about fear of confrontation or conflict, etc. And I'm just going to say this, and I think you'll agree. I believe it's almost impossible to become successful if you're not willing to have tough conversations and have confrontations. Yeah. And part of those confrontations can be in negotiation in and of itself. Just um, And it's funny because I, and I'm sure people call you for this, but I am that kind of person in this world where people call me before they have to go negotiate the salary or like before they have to go do something that's a scary conversation because I have that reputation of not having fear of that. And, you know, even though I'm sure sometimes you get challenged occasionally too, probably not as much as the person who needs to learn the lesson, but I can say that it feels so much worse when you don't speak up because you have now just just lost a lot of self-worth. And it, it gains confidence to speak up. And it's hard. It's hard at first for people that can't. You know, you and I, anyone listening could say, well, these guys seem natural type A go-getters that are ready to confront. And in fact, I was raised that way. My mom said, take your mouth with you and don't let anyone patronize you, no matter who they are. You know, well, that's, I, I try to teach that to everybody I know. It's tough to come out of that shell and stand up for yourself or speak up. But like you said, you know, sometimes you got to act as if. It doesn't mean that your client didn't walk out of that meeting and go, who or wasn't shaking a little bit and his nerves weren't rattled, but he did it. Yeah. So, so can you get into that a little bit more, you know, speaking up for oneself? Cause you know, when you want to play with the big boys, big girls, whatever you want to say, I'm not trying to be gender specific there, but you got to step up or you'll never be in that league. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll tell first, you know, one story, I've got another client that's a COO and he reports into the president of the company. The president happens to own the company, very highly uh, paid individual. And there was a deal that uh, got shifted on him and he needed to bring it up. He needed to deal with the issue by saying, look, you said this, now you changed and you went with this. And he goes, I don't know how to do that. I said, well, here's the deal. If you don't do it, he's just going to look at you and say, I can change any deal I want to at any time with you because you're not going to stand up for it. And I said, it's not going to be happy. You know, it's not going to be a good conversation. He may be punitive to you. He may not be happy with you, but you have to do it because you're not going to be able to look yourself in the mirror and know that you respect you. You got to do it. And this really leads into the, the next piece of the ultimate success map. And the next one is beliefs and your belief systems. And it is so, so important for your success of getting from where you are to where you want to go in life, whether it's business, whether it's your health, whatever it is, you've got to make sure that your belief systems, or what I like to say is your BS, is in alignment with what you're trying to accomplish. If you're going into work every day and you're saying, you know, I want to get this done, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get this done, and yet you have a belief system that says, you know, I'm not really that good, I don't deserve this. I don't know what I'm doing. That subconscious programming, that loop will continue to go over and over again, and it will erode what you're getting done. It will show up 
even with more force than what's coming out of your mouth. You ever, you ever see someone that, you know, you ask them a question, they give you an answer and it's like, I heard what came out of their mouth, but I'm not believing it based on what I see in their body language. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, the belief systems are so, so important. Uh, the next piece of this is action. You've got to take massive action and you've got to be accountable without accountability and massive action. You're not going to get anywhere. Next stage is time. You've got to allow enough time from when you start doing what's, you know, the right thing to when the results show up. When someone shifts their diet from high carbs and processed foods and they start eating a paleo diet, do they end up losing weight the next day? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sometimes, right? I mean, you're right. I mean, we all have those scenarios where sometimes they do, but it takes time. It takes time for the results to show up. And so often people get disappointed of where's my results. I I always like to tell my clients, there are some forms of bamboo in Thailand that grow under the ground for seven years. And it takes seven years for that bamboo to break the surface. Now, once it breaks the surface, it'll grow three feet in a week, but it'll take seven years just to break. And I know you have clients uh, like this as well, right? They're, they're, They're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden they just give up just short of the goal. You've got to put that time in. Perseverance pays. Perseverance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, the, and the last step of that is baggage claim, right? After you've gone through that entire system <laughs> and you've stayed the course, not gotten distracted with the shiny penny. And it's so funny on, on the train at the Atlanta Hartsfield Airport, so many people get off at the T gate thinking that it's baggage claim because there's a sign that says, you know, next stop baggage claim. And they're like, oh, this is baggage claim. And they step off the train happens every single time. And they're standing and they're looking around going, where's my prize? Well, guess what? You stepped off the train too soon. There's one more stop. So hopefully that'll uh, resonate with someone in the audience uh, today of how to go from where you are to where you want to go. You have it now a map to follow. Let me ask you a few more questions. You've got, you know, lots of things that I've grabbed from your material. You have so, yes, yeah, and we'll talk about this at the end, but you know, you offer free eBooks and lots of great free resources for people to to turn it around. But this phrase is a little bit like, hmm. So you say why SMART goals are stupid and maybe SMART stands for something. That's why it looks strange. Uh, So if you could chat about that. (laughs) Yeah, a little catchy, isn't it? Why are SMART goals stupid? SMART goals, right? They're specific, they're measurable, they're obtainable, they're realistic, and they're time-bound. Do we need specific goals? Yes. Should they be measurable? I'll buy that. Achievable? Why do we have to set our goals to be achievable? Why can't we set goals that we have no idea whether we can achieve it or not? And what I find with the T or the time bound, it takes, we set these goals and say, okay, we want to accomplish this in this period of time. And so often I see people taking more time than that is necessary to actually reach those goals. So this is why I say, I think they're stupid. I think they should be simple, not smart. And what I mean by simple, one, specific. The I, they need to be important. So often I see goals that, you know, yeah, they're kind of nice, but they're not important and they're not driving you towards those things that are part of your vision. Those things that are really, really important. Do they need to be measurable? Sure. We've got to be able to measure our goals. P, purpose 
direct it. They need to be moving us towards our vision, our ultimate vision. L, lofty. Make them so high, you have no idea how you're going to get them. And if you just happen to show up short and you don't get to the actual goal, you might just be a lot further. I'd rather shoot for the stars and end up at the moon than shoot for the moon and end up somewhere in Nebraska. Nothing against Nebraska for anyone out there. Oh, no, no. Hey, wait, nothing against Nebraska, but I'm going to say if you can drive through the country and avoid that state, <laughs> do it. <laughs> and the last one is simple is exciting. Get something that really jazzes you. I see so often, I'll be working with someone that's like, what's your goals? And they're like, well, here's my smart goals. It's like, wow, you're, you're bumming me out. I haven't heard them yet. You know, get something that really just lights you up. You want something that is a lot of fun, gets excited, and there's an energy behind it. Because look, we all know that going after all those things that we want, especially the big things, it takes a lot of energy. And we need a lot of whys. We need a lot of energy behind it that moves us, gets us up early, keeps us up late, and keeps us on course. You know, this is really close to home for me because uh, while I was in the corporate world before I got into the creative one, choosing to be an actor and a writer to most people in the world is a dumb move. And they don't are not shy about kind of telling you so. And... You know, it's an interesting world because it's not technically smart, right? It's in the sense that it's such a lofty thing. There's nothing really actually quantifiable about it. There's no benchmarks. You become a lawyer, you know exactly what it takes to become partner. You know, you know the track, you know the, the level of increases in pay. There's sort of a, there are these classic benchmarks and those aren't really applicable to creative endeavors and creative endeavors seemingly to people are harder to achieve. And so, you know, if I had stuck with smart goals, I wouldn't be talking to you yeah. now, yeah. you know, and it is, I did once have smart goals. I wanted to go to law school, be a lawyer, et cetera. And then I got derailed. And what I find with people too, it's again, it's, you've got to be excited about it. I hear so many people with good ideas, but also to everyone listening, like I would make a great producer, a great agent, a great, there's a lot of things I'm sure I would be good at. I could start lots of businesses that I see as smart ideas, but I don't want to do those things. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of people think, well, what am I good at and what can I do? And then what's like, quote, unquote, legitimate or smart. And I think that's the wrong way about, I really believe you follow your passions, the money will follow. And of course, along the way, you know, you can execute uh, the in-betweens there, right? So, you know, it's just, I, I really think that's a great message. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have uh, accountability groups where uh, people are part of my accountability group. They pay as little as $100 a month to be part of these groups. And we do have smart critical drivers or smart accountability actions for the week or the month. Uh, lead indicators. And I'll, I'll answer this uh, this way. And I'll, I'll tell you the difference between KPIs and, and critical drivers. So critical driver is something that I'm doing today that is going to lead to an action that's going to produce a result or a KPI, key performance indicator, or a goal, if you want to say. Those I want to see specific, right? What are you going to do this month? What are the actions you're going to take? I need them specific. I need them measurable. I need them obtainable. Because again, I want to make sure that we're hitting these little milestones or these critical drivers, lead indicators. They need to be realistic, right? We're only got 30 days to do it. 
I don't want you to miss these little um, milestones that are going to lead to your bigger uh, goals or your outcomes. And of course, they need to be time bound because you've got 30 days to do them. So smart goals, in my opinion, don't have a place, but smart actions, smart lead indicators, smart drivers do play a role. Does that make sense? Absolutely. What what are some execution killers? You mentioned that. I know you got like 85 of them in here. But, but I mean, I, you know, if you could hit a couple of them. Yeah. You know, some of them are systems and, and processes. Um, quite frankly, I'm a big believer of this, and it starts with your diet. If you do not have the energy in order to show up to life the way you need to, you cannot accomplish anything to the level that you need to uh, without the energy to do it. So period, it, it starts off with you better have your nutrition and your diet taken care of. You're going to make sure that you have your sleep taken care of. So you show up to life with as much energy as possible. Um, your systems, um, getting up early, keeping a calendar, um, keeping your commitments. One of the things that I talk about all the time is micro commitments. Uh, you and I could make a commitment for the next five seconds, not to breathe. We could probably do it well, we could do it for five seconds. <laughs> if we did it for five minutes, the, the airways might go blank here and we might be passed out. That would be the most legendary podcast in history. <laughs> That's right. We're out of here. Drop the mic. <laughs> um, so micro-commitments is about waking up first thing in the morning and deciding what you're going to do today and today only, one day at a time. You know, when I have uh, a dinner, a business dinner, and I know what restaurant I'm going to. At 6.30 in the morning when I'm planning my day, I'm looking at the restaurant I'm going to and I'm picking out my meal. So I know I'm going to have the scallops before I get there. So when I get there and they go, oh, we've got this pasta special and doesn't it smell good? doesn't matter. I've already made my decision. I don't wait till I get into the environment to decide. I don't wait to see how my willpower is to decide. I decide first I like thing. That. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. And then also it just, my thought on that is that with each micro commitment, especially if you need to be a more action oriented person and you're not the, with each micro commitment that you stick with and satisfy is a satisfaction of willpower and self-confidence, right? Yes. It's just, it's that makes sense. Yes. And it starts to build and, it, and uh, literally I got chills in my, on my arm, my hair standing up because yes, what happens is you take someone that's like, you know, I'm lazy. No, you're not lazy. You're just doing some lazy behaviors. You may need some different strategies. So when you get those little wins, they start to stack up. I've got a gong here back here. <laughs> you know, great. I ring that when I, you know, it's like I did my emails, ring the gong. Oh, is that your celebration for uh, yeah. accomplishing a commitment? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, that thing's going off all day. You know, you start to stack these things and pretty soon when life comes at you and it's coming at you pretty hard, you're like, Hey, I've got this. I've got a, f a funny joke with my, uh, my friends last year, I did some training with some Navy SEALs on the West coast and We'll be going somewhere and like, oh, it's kind of cold. Do you want to grab a jacket? Nope. Navy SEAL trained. That's right. Hey, can you uh, lift this up? It's kind of heavy. You know, be careful. Don't worry. Navy SEAL trained. And uh, they're like, if you say that one more time, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but the point is when you're sitting in the Pacific Ocean and you're locking arms with your, you know, fellow, you know, uh, whatever we were, cadets or uh, our willing participants and you're freezing, 
you know, you just go back to that time and say, I've been much colder. I've been subjected to a lot worse. So, and it's a result of just going through it and building that muscle. And these micro commitments really help you build that muscle and get to the point where things just get become easier. How do you, aside from the micro commitments and that making it easier, how do you, I guess that would really lead, lend itself to making, taking action more automatic, right? It, it, it can maybe generate that. And so is, is that what you really mean by this action and results cycle in combination with the micro commitments or there's something separate there yeah. um, about making action more automatic that we can learn? Yeah. Oh, I got a great, uh, thanks for asking about that. I, I love this. Um, if, if you took, draw like a circle, um, looks like kind of like a clock and, and at the 12 o'clock spot, put in actions and then at three o'clock, put in results and at six o'clock, plug in beliefs. And then right between, well, let me go through this first, then I'll, I'll throw the other things in there. So what happens is we take actions, we get a result, and then from that result, it goes through our mind and we come up with what we believe the results of those actions were. And of course, everyone comes up with different uh, beliefs, right? You know, I did this. Some people say that was great. Other people say that wasn't good enough, whatever it might be. And then from those beliefs, we then take more action or less action. And this cycle starts to just spin. And the more we get some more momentum, it spins faster. Hopefully the police are good, they're supportive, and you're taking more positive actions. But life has a way of throwing some things in the way, right? So between, let's say about two o'clock, you can throw in an invisible rock. It's there, but we don't see it. And then between about four o'clock, you throw in your brain. That's the one that really processes what, what those results or uh, those results mean. And you can throw another rock in there around nine o'clock. So as we're doing this, this circle, this cycle of taking action, getting results and then forming beliefs, there are things that get in the way and we sometimes can't see what they are and what the, you know, the, the normal reaction is, okay, let me just apply more gas, right? Not realizing that we have our foot on the brake. So one of the things that I do a lot of work in is figuring out what are these obstacles? Are they bad habits? right? Are they limiting beliefs? Is it our energy? Going back to the energy, is, it, is, is the cause of our poor performance at work a result of not getting enough sleep and having a bad diet? Yeah. Is one of those rocks, you know, pre-diabetes? Hey, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we have a lot of rocks. Yeah. Absolutely. And then what, you know, what motivates us to do more action or less action? You've got fear that's going to prevent us or pain that prevents us from taking more action or pleasure that's producing more action. And here's the interesting thing. As we take action, and so many people run around going, you know, I just need to get more willpower, more motivation. I'm like, no, please, you know, don't, don't use a, it's, it's like a, a sugar drug, right? It's like, you know, let's pump me up real quick. And then I got about five seconds and then boom, I'm crashed. Yep. As you take more actions, they slowly start to form routines. And as we keep those routines going, we form habits and those habits slowly become obsessions. You know, and I think about my life when I started going back to the gym, it was like, you know, I had to kind of force myself, you know, I was taking action then it kind of became a routine and then it was kind of like a habit. And now it's 
you know, really pretty much an obsession. It's like, I enjoy doing it. It's just who I am. And I'm always looking to figure out how I can take those obsessions and turn them into addictions. Addictions, you know, kind of sometimes has a negative connotation, but addictions that support our lives. Could you imagine, how would you like to be married to someone that's addicted to filling you up and making your life wonderful? Yeah. Pretty cool life. You know, who would love to be addicted to taking care of their health at the highest level? Who would like to be addicted to helping others? Then if we can move from addiction, it then becomes just who we are, our identity. And when we can transcend from going to taking action to the point where it becomes our identity, it just happens automatically without very little effort. I feel the exact same way about my life as you described yours in terms of that progression of from not really exercising, getting in the game and then making it habitual. Now it's like you love it, can't go, you know what I mean? And um, yeah. Yeah, it's really amazing. I want to, um, gosh, could I have so many questions for you. But so I, I, I want to transition to something random. Uh, you're a father, right? Yes, I have a 22-year-old daughter and a 19-year-old son. Uh, well, then isn't that perfect? You have one of each because then my question, I'll kind of ask you a little bit for both. So uh, I don't know if anyone's even asked this question to you before. I just thought I'd throw it out here, which is, yeah. you know, I want to talk about men for a second. So you, you are, no doubt about it, um, coming from the pers- my perspective as an alpha female, I can tell you are and exemplify the qualities of an alpha male. And again, that term has a lot of negative connotation. I feel it all only has positive connotations. Um, I'm not sure how you would describe that. But in raising a son, what does it mean to you to be a man? And how, and I'm sure you've also coached people who might have needed other areas to step up there. Everyone's individual. Everyone's the same. There's no, obviously, one cookie-cutter mold for being a man. But what does it mean to you? Wow. You know, it's interesting because literally I just got back. I was invited to speak to, at a conference about this very topic. I just got back oh, last really? weekend. Yes. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it was really, really interesting. Because, but you see where I'm going with that, right? Yeah. What are the what do you impart on your son? And then I'd love to hear then, you know, what do you impart on your daughter uh, yeah. as to what, if she is a straight female, what she's going to look for in a man herself? Um, and if not, then what is, what is it that, you know, what is it about that? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because this is, this is kind of my hobby. This is, I, I don't do this with my clients, but it's just something I have a, a tremendous interest in because I see the disconnect between men and women. And I believe that it's, the men's responsibility to really step up and start to get a much better idea of what it means to be a true man. And one is, I think we see a lot of misunderstanding about masculinity and what it takes to be a man and confusing that with bravado. A masculine man doesn't need to say or do anything to just own his space and his presence. And the bravado is kind of this you know, hey, going back to the golf guys showing up with the car, yes, making a exactly. big scene, right? It, yeah, exactly. And it comes down to that for a feminine woman, she needs to feel that she is seen, she is heard, and she is safe emotionally and physically. Men have no concept of how often a woman feels unsafe in either a physical sense, walking through a dark parking lot or just walking to the car in general or emotionally. 
And because we, we don't experience that, that's not where we come from. And so first and foremost, I'm always, whether it's my son or, or any male is understanding that you need to make sure that the women in your life feel heard, they feel seen and they feel safe. And to be a man is to step up, to lead, to protect, and to be the person that is taking, taking the lead. It's not about control. It's about setting an example and providing a, a safe area for that woman to be who she is. You know, it was interesting because uh, I was in, uh, in Miami at this event and they're like, you know, give us some examples of, you know, what, you know, what men are looking for and, and what, you know, how can we, how can we show up better? And I said, you know, I really believe that it's the man's responsibility. And and I don't know what we're doing in society not to train our young men and our, our boys. And, and quite frankly, when I say boy, I think there's a lot of 40 year olds. Let's get them over to ThorConklin.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. you know, yeah. Well, I, I'm telling you, know, I think probably sometime in my, my lifetime, I'll, I'll set up a boot camp for, uh, for boys to become men. You should. Um, yeah, because th- th- I, I really. It, it's I'm really begging just, you from a, yeah, I know. No, I'm just I, kidding. I, I know we look, Hey, it's, you know, both sides, both sides are guilty, but you know, it, but it really has to start from a man's perspective. It really, it really I'm does. Um, it's important that the woman shows up, uh, open and feminine and, uh, recept- receptive, not controlling of men, not criticizing a man. And it's easy to do. And, and what's interesting is it's, it's a natural tendency. Also, you want to test so when the man's doing what he's supposed to be doing, the woman will step up and start to test the man to see if he's actually, you know, credible. Will he actually be there when the saber tooth tiger walks through the, uh, the, the entrance to the cave or are they just talking a good game? Right. And I think we all know, you know, it's totally relatable. Of, that's a real, that's um, a real reference. Right there. <laughs> exactly. And, and for my, for my daughter is I said, you know, Men can be trained. They don't want to be controlled, but they can be trained. And I said, when your man does something that's close to what you want, you need to applaud him. Yep. She's like, what do you mean close? I was like, well, take a little baby, for example. When a baby's learning how to crawl and walk, do you, you know, when they fall over, do you go, nice try? You know, I told you, you know, stay on your feet and walk a straight line. <laughs> Oh, right. What are we doing? We're clapping. We're, you know, oh, that's right. You got it. Come on. You got it. I said, men. Okay. A lot of times are little babies and they need some nurturing. And even a masculine male appears to be very strong, have a very hard exterior, but as their woman, as their intimate partner, you have the ability to pierce that very easily. And it's a lot thinner of a shell than you think. It's kind of like an egg at times. You know, I, I have so many thoughts on this because it's like uh, you mentioned something that is a, oof, it's a pet peeve of mine where it's really tough for me when I'm around a couple uh, or anywhere and I hear a woman emasculate her man in front of people. Yeah, yeah. It literally makes me want to cringe and cry. And then what just, I just, it's to me is just awful yeah. <laughs> to watch, Yeah, you know, and I, I wish that could stop. So ladies, (laughs) 
don't emasculate your man in front of people. It's just really degrading. And also stand up for yourself if you're a guy getting emasculated. <laughs> and on the other note too, I hear a lot of like, oh, well, you know, my wife won't, you know, stop, get, don't be hiding behind your wife or your girlfriend. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it's like have, have a backbone, be a man, yeah. you know, those kind of things are things are like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. We, we were going somewhere. We had to get an Uber. We needed a car. I said, well, what kind of car is it? You know, like it's a SUV, blah, blah, blah. I said, all right, I'll go get it. Like, what do you mean you're going to get it? I was like, I'm going to go and get the car and bring it here. They're like, wow, you're not just going to like stay here and, you know, just wait for something to arrive. I'm like, no, I'm going to go make it happen. They're like, ooh, we like men like that. Yes. It was like, you know, it was just, no, to me, it was like, all right, you know, I'm not going to sit here and just, you know, what's happening. I'm going to go out and I'm going to make it happen. Well, you really do lead by example, and I'm sure your you know, your children have had a wonderful role model. Well, thank you, and, and I got to say this, okay? I learned this the hard way. I was married for 23 years. I went through a relationship where I was not playing uh, in my masculine role. I was trying to keep the peace, so I was a pleaser, which nobody, no woman likes a pleaser. Which is then no confrontation, right? Not standing up. Yeah, right? no conflict. You know, not exactly, and I. I I lost my true es- essence, my, my true, you know, who I was trying to keep the relationship going. And ultimately that did not work. And I said, after that divorce, I said, I am going to learn what it means to be a man. I'm going to learn what it means to be a leader. I'm going to learn what it means for me to take care of my woman, find out what she needs, what does she wants. Um, Talk about taking something a failure or what might be considered one, yeah. and and really going, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this around, and that's great too. You attacked that right there, took some action. It's like, nah, yeah, not going through that pain again, right? Absolutely, that's excellent. I don't know how we got off on this tangent, but I love it. Well, it's because I, I had asked you about, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, random. Um, I don't want to take all of your time. I know you're busy, but let's get into how people can work with you because I know, you know, you you have a great podcast on your website, ThorConklin.com. and of course, we'll put all of the links to your social media and website on the on the our blog post page. Thank you. But how can people work with you? I know you do some corporate training, and I also know you, you mentioned on the podcast here you do something where you can participate and do a monthly. Tell us how we can connect with you and learn more from you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. And by the way, I'm looking forward to having you on my podcast, I think, in a couple of weeks. I'm looking forward to oh, that. Oh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Absolutely. But now I just kind of screwed myself because you're going to probably ask me some random <laughs> That's right. That's right. Left fielder. <laughs> You'll do great. So the easiest way to get me is thorconklin.com. That's our website. You can find out all about uh, what we do as far as execution, accountability. There's some great resources on there that uh, you can look up as well. We've got the podcast. But really what's really resonating with a lot of people, uh, I'm literally, my, my first two clients were my, my mom and my sister, right? It, it's going to be a great story in 20 years. You know, 20 years ago, it started with my mom, you know, <laughs> um, is I'm working with them on accountability with regards to their health. And I'm a big paleo uh, person. It's really shifted. Uh, it, it actually, if you go to my Facebook account, uh, you'll see a timeline every six months of me taking photos and, and the transition that I went through from 243 pounds down to 204. And it was a result of my diet. And my mom and my sister um, really needed to get their health taken care of, and through my accountability system, uh, are both down uh, 32 and 35 pounds respectively, 
And my mom's seven, uh, 82. She's 82. Wow. Never too late. Excellent. Yeah, it's never too late. And they're just having a great time. And it's literally what they're doing. They're sending in a photo of what they're eating to me uh, each day. And I'm get, getting back to them and giving them feedback and so forth. But <laughs> like thumbs, you're like thumbs downing or thumbs exactly, up. Exactly. <laughs> right. You know, and it's kind of funny because like, well, I know you said we could have this, but could we add this? I'm like, what part of no, don't you understand? Yeah, um, accountability. <laughs> that's right. They're like, well, you know, I'm your sister. Be nicer. I was like, look, you want the result or do you want me to be nice? Uh, so I'm really, really happy and pleased with what we're doing in the accountability area. If you're a business owner, um, I work in profitability and, and help business owners figure out how to take more of the bottom line and put it in their pocket. Um, but I'm just passionate about taking people from where they are to where they want to go and providing them the tools and the support to do that. So I, I answer all my own my own emails, so you can email me at Thor at ThorConklin.com, and I would love to hear from your guests, and if I can be of assistance anyway, I'd love to. That's excellent. Anything you'd like to leave our audience with? As a, as a, parting, uh, as a parting thought? Sure. You know, I, I'm going to go back to the micro-commitments. Yeah, I like that. Because I've really seen, I've really seen, that, that's really been a game changer for me, and I'm really seeing amazing results in people. Decide before the day starts, what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. And like I said, you know, today I'm going to eat this. I'm going to exercise like this. I'm going to get this done at work and I'm not going to do this. Tomorrow, French fries, Coca-Cola, milkshakes, you know, that's, that's possibly on the diet tomorrow, but not today. And of course, when you get to tomorrow, hopefully that won't be on the diet, but really just figure out and really keep those commitments to yourself. Use accountability uh, to make sure that you stick to it. But those micro commitments have really been a game changer for myself and many of my clients. And it's to me, it's all about if you go to uh, the internet and you look up the self-made man, there's a statue by Bobby Carlisle of a man carving himself out of a block of granite. I have it as my screensaver on my computer, as my phone. It's it's the skin on my computer. And it's a man with a hammer, like Thor, and a chisel in the other hand. And he's chiseling himself out of this block of granite and removing everything that's not him. Love it. And that's who I am. And that's how I, that, that's how I live my life. And those micro-commitments have enabled me to even take that to the next level. So I love that. And I didn't know about that statue. That's really cool. Thank you so much for joining us. And I look forward to having you back again. Thank you very much. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here, and I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching. And we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. 
Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.